Welcome back, creepy cats, to a new episode of Ew, That's Creepy. Our topic this week is crimes that involved or were solved by animal DNA. Today, Melissa will be telling Jackie about the tragic murder of Dane Williams in 2008. Please be aware that this story heavily discusses murder, sexual assault, and the use of date rape drugs. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) What's up, everyone? We are back with a new week of You That's Creepy. We are ready to get spooky with another theme. And this week, we are going to talk about cases that heavily involve animal DNA, because that's fun. Whoop. Because we try, you know, we know it gets dark with these stories, so we try to keep the themes exciting and not sad sometimes. Oh, my story is dark. It's horrible. Great. Sorry. It just involves um, animal DNA. So... I'm going to be telling Jackie my first story today, and we are going to be talking about the, we'll just, let's just start with the murder of Dane Williams. This one is a lot. Is this a guy? I'm sorry, Dane. Yes. Okay. Just checking. So, buckle in. My story's involving all men today. Mmm. That's new. Mm Mm-hmm. No women were... Harmed in the making of this podcast Hmm. today. Interesting. So, our events will take place in 2008. Dane Williams was a 23-year-old man living in Huntington Beach who was working at an Orange County sportswear company called Hurley International. Do you remember that brand, Hurley? They were, you know... Yeah, like skate stuff, kind of? Yes. Okay. Surf stuff. Okay, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. On January 26, 2008, Dane went with some co-workers to the Action Sports Retailers Convention in the Gaslamp District of San Diego. It was basically just like surf and skate shops, and they all had, uh, you know, little tents and were selling items. So, um, Hurley and then, you know, like Vans, they just had little tents, and Dane and his co-workers were going to that Afterwards, they had gone out for drinks, and they were socializing, met some people, nothing crazy. Dane was, um, you know, drinking with some people that he had met at the bar, and friends and coworkers saw Dane drinking, and they said that he was not out of control and nothing crazy was going on. But later on that night, Dane was seen leaving the bar and he was stumbling around and disoriented and he was seen by kind of a co-worker at Hurley who didn't really know him that well so they weren't going to be like you know you okay (laughs) yeah so he was kind of just stumbling around they just assumed that he was having fun um shortly after that at around 2 20 a.m a woman passing by the Marriott hotel where Dane was staying saw Dane Swaying and staggering, and she actually watched him faceplant into the ground. Oh, God. The woman, she did try to help 
Dane, she woke him up, and she said at this point he wasn't even, he couldn't even speak. But he stumbled away and, you know, kind of just pushed her off and he walked away. Didn't really walk, but after that, he was not seen again. He was not seen again at the convention and he didn't return to his hotel after that or return back to Orange County after the convention was over. Three days after Dane was last seen, after he was last seen out and about in San Diego, Dane's body was found in an alley in a mid-city area around 6.30 a.m. Tuesday morning. Wow. The body was found in clothes that Dane was wearing out on Friday. Um, So he was in the clothes that he was last seen wearing. But he had a red beanie on that he had not been wearing. That's weird. Mm -hmm. And the body was also found wrapped in a gray blanket that had some hairs on it that appeared to be some animal hairs. Ooh, pet hair. Yep. Dane was not wearing underwear, though, and unknown semen was found on his shirt. Ew. It was later determined that Dane had been sexually assaulted as well. Dane did have alcohol and prescription pills in his system, but a cause of death was not determined during the autopsy. The person in the, the medical examiner, excuse me, <laughs> they, he, the medical examiner said there is a significant amount of fluid in Dane's lungs and that the bodies showed signs of cardiac arrest or asphyxiation. But again, neither of those could be confirmed because um, they just couldn't really tell. You know, there was amounts of diazepam and alcohol found in Dane's system. So the medical examiner said that also probably played a role in it, but there was just no signs that 100% were the cause. Wait, so was he drugged or was this like he was taking this medicine? So I looked it up and diazepam is a sedative that is used to treat anxiety, withdrawal systems, seizures, muscle spasms. And when mixed with alcohol, diazepam can cause drowsiness, impaired memory, and slow breathing. So he was drugged. Yikes. Yes, he was drugged. That is messed up. Police were able to test the hairs that were found on the blanket, and they determined that they were dog hairs. And they they... were canine. Canine, baby. The hairs are canine. Call the canine unit. (laughs) They're going to call their canine friends and figure out whose hair this is. Canine, we need some good boys in here immediately. <laughs> we have a bad, well, no. The the dog has nothing to do with the crime. Nothing They could all. be looking for a fellow good boy. So, they also found DNA on the red beanie on Dane's head. That did not match him. But it also did not match anyone in police records at the time. So, they did have DNA, but they had no matches. And they kind of just... Police hit a dead end at this point because they couldn't really pin down, you know, who he was with at the bar that could have done this, and that was all they really had. So, the case went cold from there. That was January 2008 until, dun-dun, June 2009. Okay. So, in June 2009, a Navy corpsman who is known as Jeremiah returned to Camp Pendleton, also in San Diego. Um, 
So Jeremiah had been stationed at Camp Pendleton, and he was—he wanted to go downtown to see the city because he was pretty new there. When he was in downtown San Diego in the gas lamp district, same place as before, he encountered a middle-aged man who asked him for a cigarette. And the man said his name was Phil. He recently moved to San Diego following a divorce from his wife. So his name is Pill. <laughs> <laughs> that's his like killer name that's it's a good one pill pill asked jeremiah <laughs> if he wanted to go to a strip club where phil would buy him a lap dance but jeremiah refused phil mentioned he had a rental car nearby and jeremiah asked phil if he could just take him to the beaches and phil agreed and the two headed towards ocean beach Wait, so, I'm sorry, were they at just a regular old bar? This guy, Jeremiah... Like, is he asking him as friends, or, like, is, No, like... listen, this guy, Jeremiah, uh, this Navy corpsman, he was just downtown in San Diego, and this guy was like, hey, do you have a cigarette? And then just struck up this conversation, and was like, yeah, you know, I'm new in town, divorced from my wife, uh, okay. like, do you want to go to the strip club? You know, kind of just like... Okay, being friendly. That's what mm-hmm. I thought, but... I just wanted to clarify, just to be sure. Yeah, and at one point, Jeremiah had said, like, no, I just want to go to the beach. And uh, this guy, Phil, was like, oh, I have a rental car. And so they were like, oh, okay. And then they're going to the beach. And um, on the way, Phil stopped at a liquor store, and they pick up two pints of cognac. So they're about to get their party on at the beach. Sounds fun. Jeremiah drank one of the pints of cognac, um... While he was at the beach with Phil. Jeremiah then said, though, that he was starting to get a headache and Phil offered him two Tylenol pills that were in a bottle inside his car. And he took them. Oh, no. The two men then drove to another beach, a Mission Beach that was nearby. And at this point, Jeremiah does not remember the rest of the night. He remembers playing basketball at Mission Beach, uh... Presumably with Phil. Oh my god, he's playing basketball and he's off a pill? Yeah. I mean, wow. It's, yeah, it's kind of sad. Well, I guess... That's so scary thinking that someone takes advantage of you like that. Listen, like, on the beach, he was probably all jacked up. Yeah, and listen to this, so it gets worse. He said he didn't... Re- he said that he did remember feeling intoxicated, but he didn't believe that it was due to the cognac because he just had one pint. His only other memories from the night are returning to Phil's apartment where he watched TV on the couch and passed out. He said he could hear Phil talking to someone else, and I think Phil tried to wake him up, and he just kind of brushed it off. And his next memories are he's on a bus and hitting his nose at an abrupt stop. Then the next memory is Sunday, June 7th, and Jeremiah is back at his base camp at Camp Pendleton and has... Zero recollection of how he got there. That's terrifying. And when he checked his phone for hints of what occurred, he found a picture of himself standing at the Mexican border. What? From the oh night my god. Yeah. That's so scary thinking that you would be able to do that and not remember. Yep. So he woke up and was clearly, he felt really strange too and disoriented and just, you know, clearly really shaken up. 
A supervising corpsman took Jeremiah to the doctors who gave him a drug screening based on, um, clearly, that of what was going on. It was found that benzo, benzodiazepine was in Jeremiah's system. The doctor told Jeremiah that he needed to go to the police because their suspicion was that he had been drugged. Um... The next day, on Monday, June 8th, Jeremiah was given a full SART exam, so a sexual sexual assault response team exam. The results concluded that Jeremiah had multiple abrasions, lacerations and swelling in his anal cavity, as well as trauma to the rectum area. The nurses swabbed his face, his mouth, um, his teeth. And his entire lower region for any DNA. On the swabs that were taken from Jeremiah's body, unknown semen was found and police entered it into the database. That's horrible. I know. It's so sad. That's so sad. I feel really bad for him, too, coming back. Just, like, being in this new city, coming back to your Navy base. and Oh, I could not imagine... I'll say this real quick, and then you can go on the trauma you would have ever trying to go out and meet new people after that. That's so sad. It's so freaking sad. Um, when the police had the unknown semen and they ran it in their system, the DNA, they found that it was a match to the murder of Dane Williams the year before. Pretty similar already. Yep. Now, all police needed to know was who the DNA belonged to. At some point during the night, Jeremiah, his phone had to have some sort of interaction because this is how they found the link between who it was. I just saw that it said between cell phone activity. So I'm not sure if this person, Phil, sent him like a picture or call. I don't know. But they were able to track down through cell phone activity that Phil was really Belong Hun. A 40-year-old man living in San Diego at the time. Police were able to... I'm just going to keep calling him Phil for the rest of the time because I think that's a little bit easier for me to pronounce. Um, Police were able to find a picture of Phil and show it to Jeremiah along with several other photographs and Jeremiah clearly chose uh, Phil's photo from the lineup as being the man that he was with that night. Phil was never in trouble with the police or anything like that, so they didn't really know what type of person that they were looking for. They were obviously able to just track him down and arrest him based on the fact that the DNA was the same. So they found him while he was driving his car, and when they searched the car, they found prescription pills, a pill crusher, receipts from stores in Mexico... Wait, I'm so sorry. They found him from tracking his phone? So, they tracked cell phone activity between Phil and Jeremiah, the Navy corpsman. There was, that's what I said, like, it wasn't clear in the case file what what occurred. What it it was. Through cell phone activity, they traced that Jeremiah's cell phone had been in contact that night with Philong Hun. Oh, okay. So that was how they knew who he was I mean, they did have that picture. I bet you any money he was like, 
Send me that picture or something. Exactly. So that's what I mean. I don't know how, like, it didn't say what cell phone activity. It must have just been something like that. So that was how they knew who it was. And then they just, like, tracked this dude down and found him one day driving his car. Dumbass. Yeah, they just found what car he was registered to and then... And then when they found him in his vehicle, they just searched it on the spot. And like I said, he had prescription pills, a pill crusher, receipts from Mexico. Do people not know how cell phones work? On the bottle, or um, on the side of the door, they found a bottle of Viagra and a bottle of Ambien. Ew. Then they tracked down uh, Phil's mother's Subaru because he drove it frequently. And they searched that vehicle as well. And inside his mother's Subaru, police found pay stubs, mail receipts for diazepam prescriptions, him, Mexican pharmacy receipts, bank statements, including one showing a September 2008 withdrawal of money in Tijuana, Mexico. Police found receipts from Enterprise Rent-A-Car that was dated January 28th, 2008 for a Dodge minivan. Uh, and a list of pornographic movie titles. The case file specifically listed such as straight buddy seduction and straight buddy sex. Okay, then. That's kind of funny that the case file would say that. I was like, why did it specifically (laughs) have to list that? But okay. They're like, embarrass him, right? It all (laughs) down. So after they found all this clearly super incriminating evidence in his car and his mother's car... And in the soupy. Everything. Uh, Police moved the search to his mother's apartment building where he was still living at age 40. Okay. And just, like, doing these things. Yeah. When investigators searched the apartment, they found multiple pornographic materials that specifically contained homosexuality and the military references on... And they also found numerous empty prescription bottles of Viagra and diazepam. The diazepam prescription had been filled on January 25th, 2008, the day before Dane Williams was last seen by co-workers at the convention. (laughs) There was a shoebox that was found with two watches that did not belong to Phil. There was documentation uh, from... Kirksville College showing that Phil had gone to classes there, I think in uh, 1957. And, or I'm sorry, God, 1957. <laughs> 19, jeez. He's like 80 years old. He had gone to Kirksville College in 1995 <laughs> and taken a pharmacology class that centered on diazepam and benzodiazepine drugs and their effects as well as the effects if mixed with alcohol and all of that which was the same drug in Dane Williams and in Jeremiah's bodies. It's him. The last item that police took from the apartment was Phil's computer and when the computer was searched there was numerous Craigslist ads that were created and responded to using his computer and the ads were looking for other men and Offering to pay for things if they went out with Phil. So they would literally be like the same exact thing that he was offering. It would be a post saying, you know, let's go to Mexico and we'll go to a bar and stuff and get, you know, do whatever. 
With all this information, police were able to give Phil a cheek swab to test DNA and see if it matched. Um, even though I thought it already matched before, but so when they swabbed the cheek DNA, it definitely was a match for the DNA that was on Williams, on Dane Williams, and on Jeremiah. And after that, Phil was taken into custody for multiple accounts of sexual assault, murder, um, drugging others, everything. Let's hear about that dog hair. Well, Phil was being held on bail. I read in one article that it said he was already a sex offender in Arizona, but I could not find that anywhere else. Mm. I don't know where they got that. So, prosecutors obviously had a strong case. Um, because in both attacks, you know, they had DNA and they had dog hairs. Like I said, the dog hairs, they took the dog hairs from the blanket that they had and they compared them to dog hairs that were in Phil's house. So they confirmed that Phil's mother's dog that lived in the apartment had the hairs that were on the blanket that Dane Williams' body was wrapped in. Do you know what kind of dog it was? I, I do not. For some reason, I don't think it said, honestly. Damn it. But it's, investigators did say that the odds of that hair found in the blanket coming from any other dog other than Phil's mother's would be 2.4 trillion. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's not funny because of the circumstances, but it's, it's just like... just so many dogs when you think about that. Yeah. And thinking about that many dogs makes me happy. Right. And so that was, like, one thing that they really, the prosecutors really used because that was something that, it was almost even stronger than, stronger than DNA because you could make a case for DNA, but that was the blanket that Dane Williams' body was wrapped in. So, you know. Yeah, like, how did, how else would the dog, there's no way the dog would have gotten there without the transfer of Phil. Right. And I know this, okay, I know this. Um, theme this week is about dog hairs but there was so much drama that or not drama but stuff that came to light during this trial let me just go into it for a second so there was a lot of there were a lot of men that came forward in this trial because he had done this to other people and they were just scared to come forward I was thinking that that was a big possibility especially since this is early 2000s and just people talking about male sexual assault and male date rape doesn't happen often, even though it happens in real life. Yeah. Often, obviously. Yeah. An employee at an adult video company. So this is like some, let me just get into some drama real quick. Not drama again, but let me just get into some of the stuff that happened. Some of the men that came forward in their stories. Just some tea. Yeah. Some of the tea of the stories against Phil. An employee at an adult video company worked with Phil and testified against him. And that employee said that Phil was hired in 2006 to perform perform computer work. And while employed, Phil had told others at the company that he was sexually interested in young straight men and wanted to perform anal sex on them. Even further, Phil had told the co-workers that in the past he would find young men in the military and offered to take them to Tijuana, Mexico to get them drinks and engage with sex workers. 
and he would take them to Tijuana, drug their drinks, let them pass out, and rape them. Ew, who just says that? I don't Why wouldn't they know. call the police? That's so detailed, even if you're joking around. I thought the same thing. I was like, that's the strangest thing in the entire world to just, like, save someone. Once this is being made public, police look into the allegations made by um, him and see if anyone else was targeted by Phil and just didn't come forward. Because at this point, when they looked into that previous employer... When I say other employee, I like employer, I mean, they looked into this adult video company that he worked for, where he told those people that, where he just blatantly said this, like, yeah, oh, and they yeah, were like, do this. Um, okay. Was, yeah, so they look in, and it was an adult video company. They asked them about it, and there was another employee that came forward, and he said that. He was just, his name was Ryan, and he was just 19 at the time, just freshly hired up out of high school, a little bitty baby. He worked directly with Phil, and they would have lunch together sometimes. Ryan said that he had been warned by higher-ups in the company about Phil's behavior. So, yeah, people in his company basically told him that Phil had said these really odd things before about going to Tijuana, Mexico, and the everything we had just said. And Ryan, unfortunately, didn't listen. I think just because he was young at this new company in this new city. Ryan, at one point, um, was bored and had called Phil to hang out. And Phil was like, yeah, I'll take you to a titty bar in Tijuana, Mexico. And Ryan is young and he's like, okay, yeah. And the two men went to a bar and they had a few beers And Phil offered to get them a hotel room and kind of, you know, just use it as their place where they can go back and hang. Ryan and Phil return to the hotel room and Phil offers Ryan a drink from a bottle of water that appeared to have a pill dissolving in it. Ryan said that he didn't trust Phil and he wouldn't drink anything from it until he watched Phil drink from it first. Yeah. And that is the last memory that uh, Ryan has from his night with Phil. The next morning, Ryan woke up face down in a hotel room and his shirt was removed. His pants were unbuttoned. He felt sick, disoriented. He said it was not the same as being hungover. He felt like something was wrong. Ryan also felt like there, that he had been sodomized. And when he tried to search for Phil the next day, he could not locate him. There were two similar stories from men that came forward also. Um, One man named Maxim went out clubbing in San Diego around April 2008. He met Phil at a club. Phil convinced Maxim and a friend to go to Tijuana, Mexico, where they drink and pick up women. The men went to Mexico with Phil, returned to a hotel room to wait for women, and Maxim asked for a drink from Phil. That was his last memory. Maxim woke up the next day disoriented and was unable to um, find his credit cards and his watch. And he said that on trial, one of the watches that were found in the shoebox at Phil's house belonged to him from that night. It's so weird that he did this to all these guys and only killed one of them. Yeah. Well, I guess that maybe they know of. Well, we'll get to that in a second. 
In May 2009, another young man in the Navy met Phil at a nightclub in the Gaslamp District again of San Diego. The same exact story occurred. Phil invited the man named Fernando to Tijuana, Mexico for drinks and women. Fernando went with Phil and he started to feel disoriented. Phil convinced him to return to a hotel room to wait on the girls. At the hotel room, Phil tried to convince the young man to take Viagra for the girls and the young man refused and then Phil tried to force him to take it and Fernando was like, no, I'm out of here. And he pushed Phil and ran out of the room and then passed out in a ditch nearby. Oh, my God. He was so intoxicated when he was taken to the hospital that he had to be placed in a coma for three days. Holy crap. The third young man that testified stated that he met Phil at a bar in San Diego, again went to Tijuana with him to a strip club, and woke the next day with no memories, and then this other man said that the other watch that was found belonged to him. Wow. So they identified both watches that were found. Two of those men were actually men that had come forward. And so this is what we'll get into, is that the prosecution how you just said, I'm kind of glad that you said that about Phil not doing this before the prosecution is like saying that from what I could gather in the case file is that Dane Williams, they believe had died from an object blocking his air passages when he was under the influence of alcohol in the diazepam. The prosecution is alleging that Phil had unfortunately, I hate to even say this, when Dane Williams was unconscious, that Phil was forcing his penis into Dane Williams' mouth and obstructed his airway and accidentally killed him and then rolled him in the blanket. I agree, Misa. That's disgusting. Yeah. So, I'm I mean. so sickened. I don't have words to express my sorrow. But, like, <laughs> that. My sickness at the that, same time. Is in no articles about this, but that, and when I found it in the case file, was a huge point that the prosecution and the defense were arguing because, yeah, that was basically what they said. And then the but defense, no yeah, the defense is claiming that the defense's whole thing is that since Dane Williams, when his body was found, the autopsy concluded that it was undetermined. So the autopsy wasn't saying that he died any which way. So obviously Phil's defense is like, okay, this isn't even a murder. So I don't know how you can say that someone did it. If you're not saying it's a murder. Yeah. The defense brought a DNA expert on the stand who testified that he didn't think there was enough DNA left in Dane Williams underwear to take a sample, let alone to match DNA. The, that expert also said that the only concrete uh, DNA evidence that they had belonging to Phil was taken from Dane Williams' shirt, which could have been passed from one another at the bar. And the expert also said that in Fernando's case, that the one who was so intoxicated, he was in a coma. They said that because he was so intoxicated, there was never a drug test performed, so you can't say that he was drugged. But they have the dog hairs. They had the dog hairs on the first two. I don't think on the rest because the oh. rest like went to Tijuana, Mexico yeah. and had this happen. Um, 
Therefore, the prosecution was saying that was flawed. And the defense also called in three pathology experts who questioned Dane Williams' manner of death. And like I said before, that was a huge debate because the pathologists that the defense called in were saying that they didn't think that Dane Williams' airways were completely obstructed and caused his death. So they were like, okay, you're just saying that's one person's opinion. That's not our opinion. We don't think that is how he died. They said that they were basically all agreeing that no matter how much evidence they you, they presented them, you they couldn't determine it because of all the other things going on in this case and that it didn't really matter. They were the other experts were saying it didn't matter that he was assaulted or anything like that because that is still not proof that he murdered Dane Williams. Um Phil argued that the sodomy charge, too, because this was another thing, was that the prosecution was hitting him with a, was hitting Phil with a sodomy charge, and you have to be proven to be alive to have criminal sodomy. And uh, Phil said that there was no proof that that happened in that, um, you know, that Dane Williams couldn't have been proved to be alive and then have that happen, as disgusting as that is. But a jury convicted Phil of first-degree felony murder. He was convicted of the sodomy of an intoxicated person, convicted of oral copulation of an intoxicated person. They did believe he was guilty of that. That was kind of, they agreed with the prosecution that that was how Dane died because of oral copulation of an intoxicated person. So he was sentenced to an indeterminate life indeterminate term of life in prison without the possibility of parole plus a consecutive determinate of 10 years. I think that was for the sodomy conviction. He's appealed his conviction, but um, nothing yet. And that is it kind of for that one. And I just, the reason why I think that one is crazy is because they really can argue the DNA in some of cases like in the first two cases that is arguable about the DNA because it's like, Hmm, did it transfer for one or another? But it's the dog hairs. You can't argue that the dog hairs without a fact did not come from his mom. And we're on that blanket. Yeah. Because as sad as it is, all these men were testifying against Phil in this case, but it was mainly Dane Williams's murder. That was like on trial. That was the reason why they were all testifying. So, and it's just the dog hairs were so concrete in that case that the reason why they were on the blanket, it's like, how else would they have been on a blanket? Who would have wrapped him up in the blanket and discarded his body? No matter. It's not like an indoor outdoor dog. It's not just going to run rampant and like be on this person's dead body getting his hairs there. Mm hmm. Exactly. So that was why I liked this case was because everything was so back and forth, but that was the, not so back and forth. It's pretty obvious Phil did this, but that was, I liked it because it was just so concrete that they said 2.4 trillion chance it could not be another dog. I've never heard of that case. So it's like crazy to me that there can be a serial date rapist. And that was in 2008. Yeah. And we don't even hear about it. And it's like, Scary thinking all the guys who probably haven't heard that story either. There was definitely more men that I'm sure this happened to. Mm-hmm. And, and I bet, who knows, they might have been military men have gone off on deployment or like gone to a different part of the country and haven't even heard of like what happened. Yeah, that's disgusting that he targeted 
people in the military. Like that, you're sick to and do that. And straight men. That's just as bad as having rape fantasies. Like that is literally rape. You are. That is exactly a rape fantasy. It's just about power and control at that point. It's nothing yeah. about the actual sex. It is disgusting. It's disturbing. And my heart is very sad for all the men who had to endure that. But also for Dane, who tragically had to pass away in that horrific manner. Another reason why I chose this story is because I was like, there's not enough stories out there about men having this happen. And like we said, I feel like there are more people out there who just haven't come forward. So obviously you don't have to, but like, we're here for you. (laughs) Exactly. That was a really crazy story. I know. And I really want to know what kind of dog they have. I know. I couldn't find it. And like I said, I got most of my information from just reading the case file. It was, I believe, one of his appeals. So it went through the entire trial and then went through every single reason why they denied his appeal. So (laughs) it was a good one. If you guys want to read that, I typed in Feelong Hun and I'll I'll link it. But and then dog hair. (laughs) And that came up. That was a good one. Thank you. I can't wait for your tail. Does it involve dog hair? For my dog tail. The dog hair was the only fun part about that story because that was horrible and I hate so much like assault and it was so disgusting and I feel I feel like I need a shower after that story. I know. I feel like I need to rinse myself with something pure and good. Sorry. All right. Go pet a dog, everyone. Yeah. Go pet your fur babies. Thank you for listening. We love you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.